right, hey, we're going to talk, hey, we're supposed to express our emotions, that's what we're going to be talking about today. What lies beneath living an emotionally healthy life? This is a brand new uh, teaching series that we're just kicking off uh, today. Today's our very first day for this, and we, I, I really am excited about this. And here's why I'm excited, because I have seen the transformation that happens uh, in people when they dive into this. I have witnessed, I've had a front row seat to this, one in my own life, but in other people's lives, other guys that I have sat with. When they have practiced the principles that we're going to cover over the next seven weeks, it has literally brought life transformation to them. Why? Because these are principles that come right from God. God's word, and we can hold on to this. First, let's just back up and let's understand what are we talking about here. Throughout the next seven weeks, we're going to have this imagery of an iceberg. Why? Because have you heard of that phrase, and maybe you have used it, oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You, you, you said that, right? You know why that phrase is even around? Because typically, when you see an iceberg, you only see 10% of the iceberg. of it is underneath the surface. And that same thing is true in our lives. Typically, you just, we just see the surface things in people's life when we look at them. But then, there's something that goes on on the inside. Of us. So, what is this series gonna do? What we're gonna do, we're taking a look at what lies beneath means Asking God to help us to do the hard work at looking at what lies beneath the surface in our lives. Dealing with those emotions, those feelings that we have. And when I say hard work, this is hard work. This is because a lot of us, we don't want to go there. We don't want to ask the hard questions. We don't want to understand why is that there and then do the hard work to dive into it. But when we feel that tension, here's the question that we need to be asking. What is going on that Jesus is trying to change? When you feel the tension on the inside, when you feel like when you're triggered, when someone does that, when she does that, when he does that, why does that trigger in you like this responsive, like you can just feel it coming up in you? You need to ask the question, why is that there in me? It's not them. That what's coming out of you is what's inside of you. And this is hard work. And in Pete Scazzaro's book, these seven principles are coming right from this book. The Emotionally Healthy Disciple or Discipleship or Follower of Jesus. We, that we need uh, and what God is calling us to is to be emotionally healthy disciples. Emotionally healthy followers of Jesus. Now, I want to read you this quote from another book called The Cry of the Soul. And in this book, the uh, psychologist and uh, Dan Allender and then a theologian, his name, uh, Tremper uh, Longman. He um, they say this, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality, listening to our emotions ushers us into reality. And reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of our soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. However, we often turn a deaf ear through emotional denial, distortion, or disengagement. 
in neglecting our intense emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose the, a wonderful opportunity to know God. Now, just think about that. When we suppress, this has been so true in, in, in much of the church world. That we, we feel like that our feelings and our emotions are bad and we're taught to suppress them, push them down, ignore them, and just move on. But that's not good. That's not healthy. We have to lean into that and ask the hard questions. Why is that there? And then, and then we have to bring our emotions and our feelings into alignment with God's word. We should not be controlled by our emotions. We should not be led by our emotions. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you need to acknowledge those emotions and, and then uh, run a balance, uh, run that across the scriptures and say, hold it. Now, this is Jesus would live his life differently. He lived his life in such a way that he was able to deal with those emotions and then make a decision and then, you know, move forward. See, here's what we something else that we have to realize is that we are created in God's image, right? Remember, all the way back, if we went all the way to the very beginning in Genesis 1, let, uh, this is God. God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. In the, verse 27, he said, and so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And you know what? You were created with emotion and feeling. These are God-given. It's part of what it means to be a human. In fact, there's five aspects of being a human. There's the physical aspect. There's the emotional aspect, social, intellectual, and spiritual. So many times what we have done in church is just focus on the spiritual, ignoring the four other aspects of what it means to be fully created in the image of God. And what we want to do is bring attention to this emotional side of it because that is just as important as the spiritual Because spirituality isn't just somehow compartmentalized over in the corner. No, it's a a part of us being who God created us to be. And we know this because Jesus had emotion. He expressed his emotion. Jesus freely expressed his emotions without shame. We see that he shed tears in Luke 19.41. We see that there was anger in Mark 3 and verse number 5. Compassion in Luke 7 and verse number 13. And wonder and amazement in Luke 7.9. This is just a sampling of some of the emotions. That Jesus would show. I encourage you, every one of you Christ followers, as you read through the Gospels in the New Testament, as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I want you to pay attention. Pay attention when you see emotion come out of Jesus. And you will be shocked at how many times the Scriptures are describing Him with these types of emotions. We have never thought of Jesus with emotion before. So many of us. And what we need to do is acknowledge, oh no, Jesus had these and more. This is just a sampling. And we need to see how Jesus responded and then respond accordingly. Here's our text. Uh, Here's where we're going to be. So here's what I'm saying. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. This is where we're going to be. Just a couple of verses here. But this is an interaction that Luke describes between uh, Jesus and Martha and Mary. And the big idea that I want us to walk away with and, it's the, and this idea comes right from the, um, Pete Scazzaro's book, The Emotionally Healthy uh, Disciple. Uh, be, be before you do. Be 
before you do. Here's what we mean. Living a life from a place of being with Jesus before you ever start doing is crucial in maintaining a healthy emotional life. Here's what Pete Scazzaro says in his book, and I quote, A person who practices being before doing operates from a place of emotional and spiritual fullness, deeply aware of themselves, others, and God. Now think about that for a second. Come on, Christ follower. I know that you want to be aware of God. You want that. You want to know and see how he is working, right? And you want to be aware of others. But in order for that to happen, you need to be aware of what's going on inside of you. And that's why it starts with us. That's why it starts with our emotions and our feelings. And we have to lean into that and ask the hard questions. Why is that there? So let us go jump into the text. Luke chapter 10, verse number 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Now just think about that for a second. Here is Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's just leaning in. She's like leaning into what he's... She's just being with Jesus. Remember he said, we've got to be before we do. Here, that's what Mary's doing. The sister of Martha. She's just being with Jesus, taking it all in. And then, we've got Martha. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Think about this for a second. Think about this idea of distractions. Think about in our life. Think about how we get distracted from just being with Jesus with all of the details that we are planning. The big dinner that we're trying to put on. Right? Think about how that is distracting to us. Uh, just this week, I sat down with a guy, and he was sharing with me as he went through Lent, um, one thing that he gave up was YouTube. And he was like, Rick, do you know how much time I have when I'm not scrolling or trolling YouTube? It's like it was mind-blowing for him. And he said, that gave me more time to be able to spend with Jesus. What is your distraction? I mean, if we are honest, any one of us who are on social media, you know that 15 and 20 minutes can go by just like that. You say, how do you know that? Because it's happened to me. I'll, I'll, I'll be looking at something on social media, and the next thing you know, 20 minutes goes by, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's 20 minutes. I'll never get back. Social media is a life suck. I'm telling you, it sucks the life out of you, and you'll never get it back. Really. And it's a distraction. It takes you away. There are other things that distract us. What is, what is it? Can you identify the thing in your life that distracts you? Is it, is it your career? Does your career distract you? Is it trying to make sure that you, you are the all and be all to everyone in your office or in your workplace? Because you're trying to climb the ladder. Or, or you're a people pleaser. 
and you just want to say yes to everyone, that can be a distraction. What is it that distracts you? Notice what happens when we get caught up in when we get caught up in the doing and not being. It creates a critical spirit in us. We start looking around wondering why isn't everybody else busy like me? How come they're not? How come I am? Where are where is everyone else? I wonder If your critical spirit, your critical eye doesn't come from a place because you're just doing and doing and doing, you're running on empty and you haven't just sat with Jesus. Oh, this can be life changing. It can be life transforming for us. And I wonder about you in your life and whatever it is that distracts you. But Jesus would go on or the story goes on about Jesus and it says, but the Lord said to her, said to Martha, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. I love, this is not, like Jesus didn't condemn her, judge her. These are words of endearment towards Martha. It's It's a father redirecting their child. It's like, Martha, don't get it wrong. No, you need to understand something else. Uh, You're worried and upset over all the details, he says. But there's only one thing that's worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And I'm not going to take it away from her. What about for you? Have you discovered the awe and the wonder of just being with Jesus? Jesus says that that's the most important thing. And it's so interesting that Luke sandwiches this story, this, this uh, incident with Mary, Martha, and Jesus. He, he sandwiches it right after, or right after the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus calls us to serve. He calls us to love our neighbors. So it's not that Mary or that Martha is doing something wrong. It's just about priorities. It's about rearranging their priorities. It's about the way that she wakes up in the morning. How do you wake up in the morning? See, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, you have the question being asked, you know, um, who is my neighbor? And Jesus basically says, anybody that you cross paths with, you are called to show love and mercy. You and I are called just to shovel love and mercy on people, serve them. And then Luke tells us, but don't do it. He tells us a story about Martha and Mary. But he's like, don't do it from a place of just go do, 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 do. Do it from a place of sitting at the feet of Jesus, of being with Jesus. And then, don't forget, when we read the English Bible, the, the chapters, breaks, they're there because of human, uh, you know, human tools to help us navigate through the Scripture. The story really just continues, and Luke's, Luke's story leads us right into the disciples. Right after this incident, Luke then says, and you know what happened next? The disciples said, well, teach us to pray then. Teach us to pray, Jesus. Why? Because Jesus modeled this kind of life. 
Jesus modeled serving others. But as you read about his life story in the Gospels, many times you will see this little phrase. And he went off into the wilderness before that. While it was still dark, Jesus went into the wilderness by himself. Why? To spend time with his heavenly father. If Jesus needs to be with his heavenly father, you and I certainly need to be with our heavenly father. And the disciples saw this and they knew how, what, that, what that was. But they were like, but teach us how to do it like you do it, Jesus. And so we have that model prayer. See, that model prayer helps us to be. Being before doing. Our serving or our doing needs to come from a place of being with Jesus. But how do we just be with Jesus? Well, that's the Lord's Prayer. Or what I like to call it, the model prayer. And the model prayer is found in the Gospels in two parts. And the one right here in Luke where we're at, this is the shorter version. Though Matthew gives us a little bit of a longer account and a, a fuller a teaching of that. It's Luke, uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And here's what I want to do. Um, for just, I, I just got a couple of minutes. I can't fully do a teaching on the whole uh, Lord's Prayer. But I want us to look at it maybe a little bit differently than you have ever looked at it before. And here's the reason why. I think we as a church, we, for, we have missed out on the power there is to reorient our life from the Lord's Prayer. It's not the words. It's the heart. It's not because you said these words. Many people know the Lord's Prayer, but it has made no effect in their being. It's how you engage these words. Let me show you. In fact, on your chair, when you sat down, you have the Lord's Prayer. Um, if you're in South County, you have it uh, there as well. Um, all of us should have a copy of the Lord's Prayer. Now, um, this is, someone was asking me, Rick, what translation is this? Well, this is Rick's translation, right? Um, this is like a, a mix-up. I grew up on the King James Bible, so you're going to hear some King James words in here. And uh, also, you'll hear some more contemporary English, like the NLT, um, like incorporated in here. But this, this is how I pray the Lord's Prayer. And I hope that this will be just a practical step that you can Im- implement into your daily life in the morning. Because this will help reorient your day. So, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Just stop right there for a second. Like, you, I can't, you can't even get past our Father without thinking about, and this, and this so many times in, in my just being with Jesus, this, our Father reminds me, oh my gosh, I get to call you Father Jesus because of what you did. And last week we talked about what Jesus did. The power there is in the resurrection. The power that the resurrection brings to our life. Jesus, thank you for setting me free from my sin. Thank you for allowing me to connect with our Father, that I can even call Him our Father. And that can lead you down a whole trail of just giving God praise, thanking Jesus for what He did so that you can call God your Father. Not everybody can do that in a meaningful way. And then I want you to just think about the idea of what Father means. That term, Father, Dad. Now, for some of you, you didn't have an earthly father or an earthly dad that where it brings back cherished memories. And, and I truly am sorry that you didn't get to have that experience. 
But you have a heavenly father who wants you to have that kind of experience with him. And that's why when Jesus gave us this, he's like, call God our father. Call him dad. These are words of endearment. I'm so thankful that I had an earthly dad who loved me unconditionally who loved me in spite of all my mess that I would make, all the trouble that I would get in, all the principal phone calls he would get, when my neighbors would come over and they would be like, do you know what Rick did now? Yeah. And then, you know, and my dad would be there and I would suffer the consequences. There was corporate punishment in our home, let me tell you. But I knew my dad loved me. He would hug me. He would lo- When I was a senior in high school, I can remember going up the stairs, and as I'd go up the stairs, I'd lean around the banister, and I'd say, good night, Dad, I love you. And he'd say, good night, son, I love you too. I knew my dad loved me. I want you to envision. I want you to envision a dad who has a teenager. Their teenager is struggling and has been struggling. Their teenager... Is just like going through one of the lowest of their lows. And they are sinking deeply. And now they are into a depression and they're thinking life's not worth living. And they come out and they stand in the hallway and they just collapse trying to inflict self-harm on themselves. And the dad just wraps his arms around her and says... You're loved. We love you. Your mom and I, we love you. And they're trying to frail and and just like try and get away. And you just are holding on to them. And you have to wrap your legs around them to hold them still. And you're just telling them, no, you are loved. God loves you. And your mom and I, we love you. And your heart is breaking. And I want you to know that your father... Your Heavenly Father loves you in the same way, even more. He loves you more than you can imagine. And we are called to engage in Him. We're called to be with Him. And we have the privilege of saying, Dad. And then we're reminded He's in heaven, but then we're reminded how holy He is. Hallowed is thy name. You are a holy God. And the angels, they, we know from Isaiah, the angels cry out holy. We know from Revelation, the angels cry out holy, holy, holy is the Lord my God. And we could just spend, you could spend time just praising God for his holiness and how holy he is. And we have a responsibility as his kids to keep his name holy here. To keep his name holy at school. To keep his name holy in the workplace. To keep his name holy. Hallowed is thy name. There's a responsibility on the kid's part to keep God's name holy. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. How resetting is this? How reorienting is this for us? If we start our day out like this... If we start our day, thy kingdom come. God, you have a kingdom plan for today. I don't know. I know what's on my schedule. But God, I don't know what's on your kingdom plan. But not my will. Your will be done. Oh my gosh. You know what that means? 
that means when you have a, a packed, tight calendar during the week, and it's like one more, you, you, like there's no room for interruption. But what happens? Inevitably, interruption happens. And a, you get a phone call, and you're being asked to go do something. And it's something that has vital importance to your job. And you're like, how do I rearrange all this? How do I fit this in? And then you remember, oh, I just pray thy kingdom come. Your will be done. God, is this part of your plan? Instead of you be getting angry about that interruption, you're looking, oh, how do I rearrange things? God, is this a part of your plan? Oh, when an interruption comes, when something happens and it doesn't go like the way that you planned, but you prayed this morning, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That traffic jam, you weren't counting on them repaving the road, right? On the day that you were running five minutes late, you weren't counting on it. And all of a sudden, there they are, bumper to bumper, and you're like, dude, now I'm going to be 15 minutes late, right? But God, I, this morning I prayed, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. How reorienting is that for you? How resetting will that be for you? And maybe, maybe when you start to feel those emotions rise inside of you, you'll be like, oh, but I did pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what that? There's a responsibility for us to bring more of heaven here on earth. When you go to school, it's your students, listen to me. When you go to school, your responsibility as a Christ follower is to bring more of heaven to your school. I heard somebody whisper an amen. It's an amen, loud and clear. Your, your, when you go to work, your responsibility is to show up and bring more of heaven to your workspace. That means that you can't lose it all the time. That means, you know, it doesn't mean that you lay down and be a mat. It doesn't mean that you, you know, just let people walk over you. No, but there's a right way to respond to people. It means bringing more of heaven. Jesus didn't let people walk all over him. He, he would stand toe-to-toe with whomever. But he did it in such a way where he was bringing more of heaven onto earth. And we are called to do that in the same way. You see why I don't have time to teach through this? Because my time is almost out. But there's so much in just the Lord's Prayer. I mean, honestly, I don't even have time to pray through the Lord's, the whole Lord's Prayer in this fashion. There are, there are certain days where I spend more time on just the Father part. There are certain days when I spend just more time on the kingdom part. There are days when I spend time just on this idea. Uh, God, today, just give me the daily bread that I need for today. What if Martha prayed that way? What if, what if Martha didn't worry about the noon appointment and instead she started her day out and filled herself up with Jesus, right? And then when she saw that, oh, I didn't get the help that I needed, that's all right. Because I was praying your kingdom come. Your will be done. It still has to get done. But you know what? My time isn't the same time that Jesus has. So we're going to have dinner at one instead of noon. Right. I mean, that's it's, it's like uh, breathe. It's OK. I, on Mondays, Mondays is my day off. And so Mondays is the day that I have to like cook. And that's a scene in a whole self. But anyway, I feel I could never 
be the, like the cooker in our house. I could never do that because unless it's like simple stuff, if it's like throw it on the grill. But when I'm doing fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and, you know, all that stuff, I'm just like, it stresses me out to try and time everything because I want it to be hot. I like my food hot. I don't know if you like your food hot. But then the kids are all coming over and it's like, all this has got to be hot all at the same time and to get the rolls in at the same It's like, what in the world, right? That's how I feel. But man... I just focus on, okay, it's all right. Hey, I wanted it to be done by 6, but dude, we're, we're going to eat at 6.30. Sorry. Right? Just breathe. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I, we just need today. Focus on today. How would that help you when you're thinking, when you are thinking about all the details that you've got to get done? The other thing, forgive us our sins. The whole thing of confession is in, in this prayer that we are called to be people who live from a place of being forgiven, but also offering forgiveness. What if you showed up in your workspace offering forgiveness? Quit holding grudges. Lead us not to temptation. What if you led from a place from God today? If there's temptation out there, and I know the evil one wants to mess with me, God, deliver me. Show me the way out. Again, the, the Lord's model prayer, it's not about the words, it's about the heart behind it. Will you, the, my, here's, here's my challenge to you, will you for the next seven days, will you for the next seven days start your day out praying through as much as you can get through the Lord's prayer? And if, you, and, and if you only get through half of it, well, just start, pick up the next day where you left off. I mean, say good morning, Dad. <laughs> good morning, Father. But then jump in where you had left off. Here, in fact, this is what our next steps are. Look on the connection card. In fact, take the connection card out that's in the chair in front of you. Reach up there. Everybody reach up like this, right? Pull the connection card out. Pull it back. Yep, I know some of you are too cool for that. But come on, just reach out. Grab the connection card. And um, we're going to walk through. we got three next steps. The first one says, I've been distracted. Not by bad things. The things that you've been distracted by, they're not bad. Right? In fact, many of them are, are good things. But it's just by the wrong thing. And this week, I'm going to focus on the Lord's Prayer. Each morning, uh, to reorient my life. Will you do that? Seven days, that's why I'm asking. And watch if you don't see just a small little change in your perspective, in, in the interruptions in your schedule. The other next step. On your connection card, your circle, and step one. Put your name on the front of that so that we know how uh, to pray for you. On the second next step, it says, I need more being with Jesus in my life rather than doing. I will commit to slowing down this week, learning to say no to doing so I can be with Jesus. See, again, I don't have time to go there. We'll talk about it later in the series, but we have to learn to say no so that we can be. And maybe that's where you are struggling. And if you're a people pleaser... Man, this is hard for you. And I understand that battle. I understand this is hard. But we've got to do this. We've got to build this into our life so that we can be, so that you can actually serve. Step number two, circle that. Put your name on the front of of that connection card and we'll pray for you in this way. The last next step. See, here's what we need to, this week, for the next seven days, will you just be with Jesus? Why? So that we can go back and do like what Jesus said to do in the parable just before this section, the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
Step number three says this. Count me in on serving the city of Cranston by helping uh, next week on the bike path. I will come at, and maybe you'll come at 10 o'clock, maybe you'll come at 11 o'clock or at noon. Um, just on your connection card, oh, here's what I'm asking. Will you put your name so that we can read it in your email so that we can read it even better, right? Your email is so important on this. And, and this is how you can, you can sign up for the bike path using your connection card. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to stop at the table out there. You don't have to do it online. You can do it right now. So take your connection card. Commit to next week. This is next week. We're only having one service next week. Um, it's this service at 9 o'clock. Don't worry, we have overflow rooms because we know we can't get both services in one room. But here's what we're, we're it's going to be a shorter service. We're going to take time to pray that as we go serve the city, but we need you to be on the bike path with us. Circle which time, or no, you, you can't circle because it's not on your connection card. What you're going to do is write the time. Hey, I'll come right after. You're going to be here. We're exp- so, you know, maybe you just like leave the service or so you're saying, I'll be there at 10 o'clock. Here's, what you, here's what's going to happen. You you are going to get an email if you wrote your email so that we can read it where you're going to get an email by Friday telling you where your staging area is to show up at. You say, what? Yes, you're going to get an address and it's either going to have the Texas Roadhouse address on it. It's either going to have the church address on it or it's going to have a, um, a gazebo address, which gives us access to the, uh, um, the bike path off of Wilbur Ave and Oakland Ave in that area. It'll have that address on there and you'll be showing up at one of those three locations. And from that location is where you'll get all your supplies. And from there, you're going to go live out the good Samaritan parable and love your neighbor. So. Use that connection card for those reasons. And what you're going to do with them is you're going to put them in the offering boxes in the back of this room when you're all finished. Now, not everybody can actually get out on the bike path. And you know what? We're going to have people staying back here, praying through. Like physically, you're physically limited and you're you're not able to do that, then we would encourage you to um, just write on your connection card, hey, I will pray you guys through it. And the prayer team is going to be meeting right here in this building while we're out serving and praying for divine appointments. It's going to be amazing. We're going to, we can't wait to hear the stories that God is going to give us because you guys were being with Jesus all week and then launching to go and serve in loving our neighbor. There's no better way to respond to this teaching than through this song called Communion because it's what we were created for. It's what we were made for. It was just to be. So let's stand this morning and remind ourselves in this song called Communion that we were made to relate, to connect, to have our Heavenly Father actively engaged in our lives. Let's sing.